morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for November 20th, 2016. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, I look out the window and it's so nice to see trees. I wanted to talk about trees a little bit. You know how trees... They send their roots down into the earth and crown to the sky. Uh, They're just seeking nourishment, right, from the sun, moisture, and the rain. And in the same way, we too can envision ourselves being, being like trees in the sense that we put our roots down uh, into the earth and there's kind of energetic strands that keep us connected there and crowns of our heads to receive nourishment. We seek the same kind of growth things. Trees need sunshine and water, but we also need and serve as conduits, sort of, sort of intermingling of the, the elements of air, water, sun, earth, We also share creative ways of growing and meeting challenges that we come come up against in our environment. Uh, Peoples and trees share a lot of the same very basic life forces, we could say. We are both resilient. We have sort of a built-in propensity for growth and and seeking the conditions that promote it. And we can find creative ways around the obstacles that we confront as we move along our paths, moving toward the light that feeds us, just as the trees grow around bases, you know, around the trees that are around them them so that they can seek the sun. They seek out the available spaces around them. Uh, In biology, there's a... uh, something called tropism, natural built-in tendencies. So for a plant, there's, uh, as an example, there's a phototropism, as I just mentioned, the leaves that turn their leaves so that they can receive the sun, full blast, you know, the surface of their leaf will get the most sun. They seek the light. Isn't that the same way that we seek the light? Different kind of light. Instead of phototropism, term dharmatropism. Don't you think that's kind of neat? We have a built-in natural tendency for, for spiritual growth, you know. And just like the plants have phototropism and they have uh, hydrotropism, hydro meaning water, the roots naturally will go seek moisture out okay, in their roots. And I think we too, the surface, you know, when you look at an individual, it looks just like you look at a tree, it looks like a single entity standing there as an individual. But the roots 
underneath that you can't see really sustain it. And we have our roots too. You can call that our our social network, our ancestry, our, you know, (laughs) not so easily seen, but that's the ground we stand on that makes our life possible, okay? Our heritage, our roots, okay? Um, But also, I was thinking about, um, as an example of how when we meet challenges, how we meet challenges that come up, okay? whether it's a plant or whether it's a human being. Okay? And as an example of how a plant can do it, it can kind of inspire us in terms of a metaphor about meeting challenges. There's a, I'd like to share with you a little story. that uh, It's a little essay I wrote some years ago, a true account of an avocado plant that I had. And I'm looking at the essay that I wrote. I'm going to quote a little bit from it. And it says, it says, the avocado seed was the biggest that I had ever seen. I remember in the 60s, it was popular to grow avocado trees from seed. So I decided to try and grow one. I inserted three toothpicks in the seed to keep just the bottom of the seed immersed in the mayonnaise jar, empty mayonnaise jar filled with water. Every morning I checked the water level, examined the seed. Day after day, I can still remember this. Boy, you need patience. <laughs> Nature teaches you patience. I waited and waited. Nothing happened. And finally, after several weeks, a small white bump appeared on the bottom of the seed. And that bump grew into a root, a little white root, and then some branch roots came out. Oh, that was very encouraging to see that root grow. Now I began to watch for the shoot that's supposed to come out of it. Again, I had to wait and wait. Several more weeks went by, and I thought, hey, I really thought something's wrong with this avocado seed. Maybe it's a defective seed. It grows roots, but no shoots. But finally, a tiny shoot began to peek up from the top of the seed. And in a week or so, the shoot grew to a height of about five inches. And at the end of the shoot was three tiny bright green leaves. Boy, was I so pleased. I lovingly transplanted this avocado plant into a nice pot of rich soil, and I left the counter ready to put outside the next day. Well, what happened is the next morning, come down to the kitchen, looked at the plant, and I was shocked to find that the top of the plant, together with its three leaves, were chewed off. The cat. Oh, man. The poor avocado plant looked like just like a plain stick stuck into the dirt, sort of like a chopstick just stuck into the dirt. Green leaves lying down on the ground right next to it. I was devastated. I put the pot outside. What can I do? Put it in the backyard. I watered it, but I didn't have much hope. A week or so went by, and Adrian, my wife, said, Hey, have you seen your avocado plant lately? I said, No, let me go take a look. 
There it was. It was now a 10-inch plant with five large shiny leaves. The original shoot was there. It's stump, still looking like a broken-off chopstick. But from the side, another main shoot curved out and up. <laughs> it kind of looked funny, strange, but it wasn't a typical-looking plant. But it was alive and growing and thriving. And that really impacted me. I could resonate to the fact that in human life, a lot of things happen. Huh? And there's a teaching from this resilient avocado plant and from Mother Nature. Boom, things happen. Boy, there's a life force in there. It, things don't go according to a, to a rigid plan or expectations. The plant grows by branching off in different ways, and you know, same thing that we can do to reach our potential. So, I I took that plant and I brought it to to service when I when I as a show and tell <laughs> when I gave a dharma talk, you know, and. Uh, Indeed, that was many years ago uh, here in Coarse Gold at right down here in California. I tried to grow avocado plants several times, but I, I guess the climate is not right. Even though I have an uncle who lives uh, in Sanger, which is about uh, an hour south of us, and he has a nice avocado tree. It's about 30 years old, maybe over 30 feet high, too. And, um, in fact, he uh, had uh, uh, other types of avocados grafted, different plants grafted onto his tree. So he gets several kinds of avocados on his same tree. Pretty neat. But <laughs> I, I was unable to do it. Maybe up in the foothills here, it's a little bit too cool. Uh, for the avocado plants, okay. But I remember uh, that uh, nice experience I had with the avocado plants. I might grow one indoors, maybe. Yeah, I might do that. Well, <laughs> I'd like to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today. Name is Jeff Wyo. His Dharma name Wyo means peaceful son. And he was part of our Lay Minister 3 group. And he lives in Arkansas. So let's hear from Jeff Wyo. Uh, thank you for inviting me to speak today. Today, I'm going to avoid the monotony so many of us have been exposed to lately. Now is a good time to center ourselves, and I want to share a thought on how to accomplish that, or at least move ourselves in that direction. So often we seem stuck in the ever-changing digital stream of the modern world. While it's important to acknowledge the changing nature of the universe, this constant life of the 30-second sound bite, it just seems to strip us somewhere deep in our soul. 
What I like to do in these times when the cacophony of the modern life overwhelms me is, is simply return to the earth. Not the world of geopolitical status or global economics or even social causes, but the very firmament beneath our feet. Recently, I was visiting a local nature center, hiking on the trails. Off the path in the distance, I saw a sort of indention in the tree line, purity of the path, and, and found a small clearing. I thought, hey, look, this is, this is a perfect spot for meditation. And so I sat down. Far from the safety of my altar and the incense and the candles, I sat with my backside in direct contact with the earth. The longer I meditated, the more I felt connected to the ground. The bird song became more intense all of a sudden around me. Everything seemed very real. The illusion we all ascribe to, it just sort of fell away. I came to an understanding that all things, all lives are in contact with each other through the earth herself. Of course, this is a knowledge we all possess in an, in an academic sense. What at first seemed like cold rock now felt alive with warmth. It was a joyful experience for me because I was just so connected with everything through that binding contact. This is, is oneness at its, its most abundant. It's everywhere. It's there right beneath our feet. As I got up and walked away with clearer spirit, every footfall became more determined because every time my foot touched down, I was reminded of my connection to everything else. So I would recommend everyone should, should find their own personal way to return to the earth. Hikes and woodland meditations may not work for everybody, but, but find that, that, that way, that moment of how to connect to the earth and just think upon your connection through that. This, this great blue sphere hurtling through space, how it connects you to everyone else. That is my Dharma glimpse, and thank you for listening. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know... The point about all things being connected to each other through the earth, I often had this this realization or thought that all physical objects, all physical objects are in physical contact with each other through the earth. All physical things are connected to the earth, you know, whether it's a tall building, whether it's a table, whether, you know, you got a lamp, I'm looking at a lamp sitting on a rug, the rug is on the concrete foundation of a house, <clears throat> and of course the house is sitting on the earth. Um, look at, a, look at uh, a clock on the wall here, the wall of course is part of the house. Uh, look at the bookcase, look at the computer, it's on a desk, a printer, any piece of paper on my desk, sitting on the desk, the desk is on the floor of the house. You literally have a physical connection between all things. You could draw a line like, you know. And we're, we walk on this earth, 
Yeah, I suppose if you say, oh, there's a bird or there's a plane or, 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 or you know, when you jump up, well, of course, through gravity, gravity is such a universal thing, such a powerful thing, basic thing. But you could look at, think about the, the physical electrons or atoms in the air. I mean, air is, we could think is, uh, as a thing, physical thing, too. You know, well, <laughs> explore the metaphor as you will, but the basicness, sometimes it said, you know, <clears throat> our foundation, uh, the ground we stand on, being rooted, um, connecting to the earth, and uh, somehow being sitting down on the earth, you know. I know that there's some holistic health movements. They say to walk barefoot. You know, uh, there's a spirituality in that, or sleep on the earth. Um, different aspects like this. And I was thinking about, uh, and of course when you think in this vein, it's sort of like the green dharma. Uh, and of course, I have some colleagues that are active in the eco-sangha movement or ecology. And uh, there's a whole sort of niche topic about the green dharma. And how Buddhist teachings nicely with the ecology movement, sustainability, naturalness, returning to you know, respecting nature, not conquering nature, harmonizing with nature, okay. and they say uh, green Buddhism is a redundancy. Uh, <clears throat> Buddhism teaches that, that the dynamic nature of constant change, dynamic interaction, interdependency of all things. And it said that uh, in, in one of the Gautama Buddha statues, he depicted as one sitting down and one hand, I guess, on his knee, finger pointing down to touch the earth. Uh, I'm sure philosophically a lot of discourse could be made about the earth and sitting on the earth. In fact, a flash flash association just occurred to my mind. I know that some people, ministers, that they forego standing at a pulpit to give their Dharma talk. They said the Buddha never talks standing up. <laughs> he gave his Dharma talk sitting down. So they lowered the, they made a special uh, short one, and then behind it, they had a cushion. He sat down. And all that this might imply. Um, in the Buddha's time, it was uh, the custom, I guess, when uh, you, you learn from a teacher and you, you receive maybe some some type of spiritual transmission, 
and uh, if you matured and, and had some spiritual insights, it had to be witnessed or verified by authentic teacher or tradition, something like this. And so when the Buddha had his enlightenment experience and he started teaching, some people said, you know, challenged him and said, hey, who, who was your witness? Who verifies the authenticity of your experience and your insights and realizations? And it is said that the Buddha pointed to the earth and said, earth is my witness of uh, that kind of transmission and so forth. Has has this trade off of pros and cons, and is a topic in itself. But my point here, and I think of the Dharma glimpse, is the notion of earth, mother nature, universal life, that kind of foundational thing, and that we should realize this this foundation idea of. Well, I like the idea of, as Jeff Wilde mentioned at the end, when you take a step, it's kind of a reminder that, hey, we're connected to the earth. Every stepping down, stepping, you know, boom, boom. And uh, I know I remember when you sit in meditation and then you have walking meditation, chin hin, they call it. And, of course, it's a way where you exercise your legs, okay, from this being stiff from sitting. But it's also, the walking is also an important part of meditation and action. And as you walk, you're very aware of walking, of moving your foot, stepping. This is kind of Varsnavana, I mean, uh, uh, <clears throat> Vipassana. Insight meditation where you're very aware of what's going on. And, in fact, some person said, you feel the molecules between your foot and the floor pressing down as you walk gently, putting your weight full. Things like this, well, we do need every once in a while just to sit still and reconnect to, well, the dynamic stillness and quietness of moment. It may seem like calm because it's a contrast from the busyness of our mind and our environment. But there's a dynamic. It's sort of like a top that's spinning. You know, it looks that still, but it's very dynamic. I think that's a wonderful thing. Well, <laughs> that's all for today's broadcast. Until next time. Keep going, and you have a beautiful day.